Hi, welcome to Parenting Bites. This is Rebecca Levy of KidsMuse.com. I'm here today with Amy Oztan of Amy Ever After. Hi. Just you. Just me. <laughs> it's just, well, me and the guinea just, pigs. Aw, just the two of us. Um, Andrea is uh, very important speaking at a conference today. So She's off she, being more important than us. Exactly. She's like in a whirlwind thing. She had like an SMT yesterday. Andrea's just very popular. She's killing it. She is. Um, so today on the show, we I don't think we've ever really talked about bullying. Um, well, because terms... what was the point? What could you do? Right. What could you do? And like we've talked about cyberbullying and we talk about and I probably if we looked back on those episodes, everything we said was wrong, <laughs> which we which we're going to realize today because today on the show we are having Izzy Kalman on. He is a school psychologist. He's an educator. Um, he's an author. He wrote a book called Bullies to Buddies, How to Turn Your Enemies into Friends, which when you will listen to this interview, like it's such common sense um, and it makes you know, taking, you're basically taking the wind out of the sails of bullies, but oh my God, is it so not what we are taught to do, taught our kids to do. No school is responding in this way. Uh, I just, I was, I don't know. I'm super into it. And I wish it this, I'd read this, you know, 10 years ago when my kids were little. Yeah. I just, yeah, it's, it's amazing. It will it, like it just the art. I haven't read his book yet, but just the articles that I've read about it. Um, it will just change lives, like change the way that parents teach their kids to deal with bullying. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, there's certain things that I encounter, like sometimes it's like tech stuff or really cool, I don't know, like curriculum stuff. And I'm always like, why doesn't every school have this? This is one of those things where I'm like, okay, this is like a no brainer yeah. because how many bullying things do you know of just in your own kids' schools that are giant failure like respect oh, for all day useless. like well, there's respect for all day it's nonsense and it's so not practical and it so has nothing to do with the way kids live in the world yeah. <laughs> you know um so anyway we're really excited for this interview we hope you will too and just you know listen in and then let us know what you know experiences you've had with bullying with your kids because i think you're gonna find this super enlightening and then change everything mm -hmm. <laughs> every approach you've ever had so we'll be right back with izzy kalman so we are back we are joined today by izzy kalman school psychologist educator and author of bullies to buddies how to turn your enemies into friends thank you for joining us today uh, it's my pleasure to be here you know, this article that was in the New York Times that I think introduced your work to a lot of people who maybe didn't know about it before really lit up the parenting sphere mm -hmm. and everyone was sharing it on Facebook. And I, I, can you talk a little bit about why, you know, how you came to this technique and how it's unique from so many other approaches to bullying? Okay. I, I first need to say that what I'm teaching is basic psychology. To me, it's amazing that this isn't what everybody is teaching. Hmm. The, the anti-bullying psychology really is a reversal of basic psychology. That's so interesting. Uh, I started studying psychology in the 1970s. I began as an engineering major, but after a couple of years, I uh, couldn't stand the math anymore. <laughs> Uh, but I had also been going to a psychologist at the College for Counseling, 
And I thought, boy, this is really interesting. You know, you sit with people, they talk to you, you help them. This is great. So I decided to become a therapist. But I think deep down what really drove me to, be to become a therapist is my parents' relationship. You know, my parents were both Holocaust survivors, and they hated each other with a passion. <laughs> each, oh, my God. <laughs> now, each one, when they were alone with me, would tell me how terrible the other one was. Oh. Uh, and they seemed right. Each one <laughs> seemed right. So I learned from a very early age that everybody thinks they're the good one, the other one is the bad one. Uh, when I became, you know, when I studied psychotherapy, I learned that the person I'm supposed to help is the person who's asking for help. If you come to me for help because you're uh, having difficult relationships, is my job to go to those people that you're having difficulty with and tell them, you better be nice to Rebecca, or you better be nice to Amy. Is that my job? Hmm. No. No. No, I, I have to teach you how to handle the difficulties. I can't. My job is not to solve your problems for you. Life is full of problems. So I have to help the client. So... When I started working in schools, it became very obvious to me that the most common complaint of kids is that they're being picked on by other kids. Now, I, I understood why they're being picked on. It's so, you know, it's very obvious why you're being picked on. Every victim of bullying is getting upset when they're picked on. That's why they get picked on. Mm -hmm. uh, so I would, but I also began using role playing. I discovered that by role-playing, I can be far more effective at teaching people how to solve their interpersonal problems than just by telling them what to do. So I began using role-playing. I had tremendous effectiveness. I was teaching kids how to stop being bullied. I was also teaching staff how to help kids stop being bullied instead of making the situation worse, which is what they would end up doing by investigating, interrogating, and punishing. In 1999, Columbine happened. And it was committed by two kids who presented themselves as victims of bullying. So the world decided we have to do something about bullying. We have to get rid of it because victims of bullying are shooting up their schools. They're committing suicide. But when I saw what this field of bullying psychology is proposing, I realized this can't possibly work. It's going to make everything worse. They're taking all of the wrong things and mandating it as the right way to behave. And what do you mean by that? What do you mean, like, what were they doing that was, that was probably the opposite of what they should do? Okay, uh, two general things. I can go into much greater detail and I have articles going into much greater detail. But these are the two major mistakes of the anti-bullying psychology. They have gotten rid of the difference between objective harm and subjective harm. The difference between objective harm and subjective harm is encapsulated in the saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never harm me. This is the age-old solution to bullying. And most bullying is verbal. Mm -hmm. You know, if... If you hit me with sticks and stones, you're causing me objective harm. You're the one who's hurting me. It doesn't matter what I think about the sticks and stones. You are going to hurt me. If you insult me, though, and I get upset, who's upsetting me? You're upsetting yourself. Yeah, it's completely up to me whether I get upset by your insults. Mm -hmm. So it expresses the difference between objective harm and subjective harm. 
The anti-bully psychology got rid of the difference between objective harm and subjective harm. They're, they're teaching kids now, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can scar me forever, or words can kill me. So kids today are being taught that if they're insulted, they should get terribly upset. It can, it's worse than having your bones broken. So kids are being made weaker. They're being taught to be more upset when they're insulted. And if you get upset when you're insulted, they keep on picking on you. That's why you become a victim of bullying. Yeah, that's not just for kids. I mean, as someone who works online, I can tell you getting upset just fuels the online bullies like you wouldn't believe. Exactly. All wise people throughout history know this. All over the world, it's basic wisdom, it's basic psychology, but we've gotten rid of it. And the second, and by the way, I, I'm going to dis demonstrate soon how it works. That'll make it more interesting and easy to understand. And the second mistake they're making is saying, if you're being bullied, you have to tell the school authorities. And you have to remember, most bullying is verbal or social exclusion. Amy and Rebecca, let's say you insulted me and I tell the teacher on you and now you get sent to the principal's office who now proceeds to investigate you for bullying me. Are you going to like me better? No, now we hate you more. You got us in trouble, you tattletale. Exactly. <laughs> You're going to call me a snitch. You're going to get all of your friends against me. Are you going to admit to the principal that you're guilty? Yeah, I didn't do anything. Izzy's making it up or he started with us. Why are you blaming us? Izzy is always starting with us. So you're going to defend yourself and blame me and you're going to be angry at me and you're going to want to do something worse to me because I got you in trouble. You know, if you read the articles in the newspapers about kids who committed serious violence because of bullying... It always happened after the school had gotten involved playing judge, detective, uh, punishing kids. That makes all hell break loose. Hmm. And by the way, you know, the best case against anti-bullying laws. Now, anti-bullying laws are making things much worse. The best case against anti-bullying laws is the series 13 Reasons Why. Mm-hmm. It's phenomenal, but nobody in the world realizes that this program is really about the consequences to a community when parents sue a school because their child may have been bullied. It opens up a Pandora's box, all hell breaks loose. It, it's worth watching with the mind that this is really about what happens when schools are blamed for bullying among kids. It makes everything worse. But anyway... I, I, to make it really understandable, I would like to role play with you. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I can do it with both of you at the same time, or one of you, it doesn't matter. No, do it to Amy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that sounds an awful lot like bullying, Rebecca. Amy was the actress. Do it to Amy. <laughs> oh, Amy, Amy's an actress? Was. Yes. Okay, was. good. So, Amy, I'm going to do it with you. Okay. I'm going to play a simple game with you. Your job is to insult me. My job is to stop you. But don't let me stop you or I win and you lose. Uh, don't worry about hurting my feelings. It's make-believe. And don't work hard. Breathe. Give me a chance to answer. You make like a conversation. Go ahead, Amy. Okay. I can't believe that you come up with these stupid theories. I mean, what gives you the right to tell parents how to parent? They're not stupid theories. These are basic psychology and wisdom. Yeah, but I mean, what makes you right? You know, this sounds really stupid to me and everybody I else. Not, 
I didn't invent this stuff. I'm just explaining it. Is it my fault that this anti-bullying psychology is based on mistakes? It's not my fault. Yeah, but I wasn't making the mistakes. I mean, you're sounding, you're making it sound like I'm a bad parent because I'm doing the stuff that everybody says to do. Don't call me stupid. I didn't say you're stupid. You're doing what all of the experts are teaching. So you're doing what you think is the right thing. But is it working? Yeah, but I'm listening to experts. Are you an expert? You don't sound yes, like an I'm expert. An ex I'm an expert. Of well, course I'm an expert. What makes you an expert? What are your credentials? I've been... I began studying psychology in 1972. I've been working uh, for over four decades. That just makes you old. It doesn't mean that you know things. I know lots of stuff I read. I've gone to courses. I, I, I know a lot of stuff. No, okay, I... terrific, okay, terrific job, Amy. Oh, I have to stop <laughs> uh, insulting? Okay. Amy, you're such a good okay. bully. Oh, thank you. <laughs> okay, no. yeah. uh, I, I give up. You did a very nice job. You did a terrific <laughs> job. Thank you. Uh, Amy, did I make did I make you want to stop putting me down? Yeah, because you know when somebody isn't wait wait a second, but Amy, you didn't. You kept on going. Well, I mean, there there are two parts to this. There's like the real Amy who would never speak to somebody like that, <laughs> and then there's you know the Amy that was role playing as a role player. You know, I I just want to keep going because exactly. I I was pretending that I didn't like you, and I just want you to suffer. That's right. So in this role play, did I make you stop insulting me? No. No, it escalated and it got more, uh, more complex. Now we're going to do it again. Same game. You have to insult me and don't let me stop you. Okay. Go, go ahead. Really don't let you stop me? Yeah, don't, don't, let, okay. don't let me stop you. All right. So I can't believe you're wasting our time with these theories. They're so stupid. I know so many people think that what I teach is stupid. Well, okay, then why do you keep teaching it? I mean, that's dumb. Because I think I have to teach it because I think the world needs this. But what makes you the person to tell the world what it needs? I ask myself the same question. Why did this fall upon me? I, I can't believe it. There are uh, hundreds of thousands of psychologists in the world, and I'm the only one who happens to see this, or one of the only ones. It's, it's mind-boggling to me. Well, <laughs> this is so much harder. <laughs> I, I lose. Like, it's, okay. it's so much harder to continue when you're just basically agreeing with me. Right. Like, now, let me, uh, let me, I just want to make it very clear for the audience what was really going on. Amy, the first time, did you hear me trying to stop you from insulting me? Yeah, but I wasn't listening. You know, yeah, and I just, you were listening to me, but you weren't stopping. You right. kept on going. Yeah. But but you heard me trying to stop you. Yeah. Oh right? yeah. Rebecca, did you hear me trying to make Amy stop insulting me? Yeah, you got so defensive. Yeah. It was exactly. like she could she could get such a rise out of you. Yeah, and yeah. I just dig in more. But that was a, an illusion. It looked like I was trying to stop you, Amy. Do you know what I was really doing the first time? Just fueling me. Exactly. I was making you continue. I made you have a great time. I made you defeat me. I made myself look like a big idiot. Why should you stop? And right. this is what happens to anybody who's in a relationship where the same person or people keeps on putting them down over and over again. The target or the victim is getting upset and defensive and angry because they want the person to stop putting them down. No, that's why they put them down, because they're getting angry and defensive and trying to make them stop. I can weigh 500 pounds. 
If people call me fatso and I get upset, they're going to keep on calling me fatso. And if I don't get upset, they'll stop after a while. On the other hand, I can be anorexic. My bones are popping through my skin. If people call me fatso and I get upset, they're going to call me, keep on calling me fatso. So the real reason uh, somebody becomes a victim of bullying is not because they're fat or ugly or stupid or in a wheelchair. The real reason is because they get upset when they're picked on. The second time, there was also an illusion. The second time, Amy, did you hear me letting you insult me? It wasn't, yeah, I mean, you were, it wasn't like you were, you didn't sound like you were insulted, but yeah, you were just kind of agreeing with me. Yeah, agreeing with you, explaining, but I, I, I didn't even once suggest you should stop doing it. Right. Wow. But that was also an illusion. It looked like I was allowing you to insult me. Do you know what I was really doing the second time? What? Stopping you. Yeah, and like she ran out of steam. Yeah, it told yeah. that is literally what happened. Like when you just kept, you know, taking the wind out of everything that I said, I couldn't come up with anything else to say. It wasn't fun. Right. And and the more you would go on putting me down, the more you would feel and look like a jerk. And I have to say, I see both both kinds of this play out every day on Twitter. You can see the people who are just going to get bullied for years, and you can see the people who are just going to kind of shrug and move on. Exactly. So there's nothing new in what I'm teaching. All I'm doing is that I'm putting in, in, in game form through role plays. I always define the situation in terms of winning and losing. It makes it objective. It gets the emotions out of the way. Instead of talking about bullies and victims, we should be talking about winning and losing. Everybody wants to win. The bullies are winning. The victims are losing. That's why the bullies feel great and the victims are miserable. So the people in victim positions want to know how to win. So I teach them how to win. I show them how easy it is. Now, what I'm really teaching is the golden rule, which requires us to treat people like friends, even when they're mean to us. The first time I was treating you like an enemy for insulting me. It's not true. I'm smart. You know, you can't talk to me like that. When I treated you like an enemy, you treated me back like an enemy. The second time I treated you like a friend. And when I treated you like a friend, you wanted to stop putting me down, but you could like me better and you could listen to me and you could learn from me. So what I really teach is the practical application of the golden rule. It's so easy, but it needs to be taught to kids. What about, They're not being taught. What about social exclusion? I mean, you sort of touched on that before. What if it's not this verbal repartee back and forth, but it's more this girl goes to school one day and all of a sudden none of her friends talk to her? Just one girl has decided everyone's not talking to you anymore. Uh, I, first of all, have to show that it doesn't bother me what's going on. Because whatever bothers me is what people are going to keep on doing to me. Mm -hmm. So I take the attitude, nobody has to be my friend if they don't want me to be their friend. But then they have no power over me, so I'm not a loser. They respect me more, and they're more likely to want to be my friend. But I'll try to find out what's going on, but I'll do it nicely. I'll go over to one of the kids of the group, and I'll say... You know, I wonder what happened. It looks like everybody's excluding me. I must have done something wrong. Do you know what? But I'll do it nicely, respectfully. I'm not angry at anybody. I'm not blaming anybody. 
And if I act calmly and respectably, somebody is going to tell me why it's happening. If it's something I can fix, I'll fix it. If it's something that's just silly, I, I'll say, really, that's the reason you don't want to talk to me. And you'll probably go back to talking to me as long as I act respectably and it's obvious that I'm not getting upset by what's happening. So it's really interesting because I, I do think this is a big thing, particularly for girls, um, usually like in late elementary school and in middle school where this exclusion happens. Um, usually there's one girl who's the ringleader of it, and then she just picks a person every week who they're going to exclude. Um, it It's hard, I think, to tell your 10-year-old who's so upset that all of a sudden everyone won't talk to them to like pick, to go up to someone and say, Hey, what's going on? Like that takes an amount of courage that I don't know a lot of kids have at that age. We think it requires courage. What it really requires is understanding. We need to use our brains. I have to try to understand why this is happening to me and how to make it stop. If I don't know why it's happening and what to do about it, it's going to be really hard for me. But if I understand why it's happening and what to do about it, it becomes easier. Now, I can do a simple... So I always teach through role-playing and I make it logical to the child. But let me act it out with you in a simple, okay. in a simple way. Uh, you know, one of the ways that kids get others... Uh, or, or try to express social powers by saying, you can't be my friend if you're going to be her friend. So how about, Amy, you tell me, uh, Izzy, I'm not going to be your friend if you're going to be Rebecca's friend. Try to get me to leave Rebecca. Izzy, listen, I'm sorry, but I can't be friends with you anymore if you're still going to be friends with Rebecca, all right? Just can't happen. Uh, really? Yeah. But, but Rebecca's been my friend since kindergarten. I don't care. Who do you like more? I really have to decide? Yeah, you have to choose. And if you don't choose me, then I'm never going to talk to you again. Okay, I'll choose you. Great. Awesome. Okay. Now, Amy, you're happy with what I did because I chose you over Rebecca. Yeah. But could you respect me for my behavior? No. Because I'm the puppet. You're in control. It's the person in control who gets the, the respect. Do I look like good friend material? No, you just look like a lapdog who will do what I say because I'm telling you to. Yeah, I, I'm fickle. I left Rebecca. Maybe I'll leave you when somebody asks me to leave you. So I'm not good friend material. Now we're going to do it again. And this time I'm going to respond differently. Start again, Amy. All right, Izzy, if you're going to be friends with Rebecca, you can't be friends with me. That's just the way it is. I mean, if you don't want to be my friend because of Rebecca, that's your choice, but I'll always be your friend. No, no, no. You have to choose. I'm not going to talk to you anymore if you keep talking to Rebecca. I like you. I'll always be your friend. But if you don't want to talk to me because of Rebecca, I'll have to respect your decision. No, no, no. You, you have to pick. I'm not going to talk to you anymore. I am both of your friends. I'm everybody's friend. If you don't want to be my friend because of Rebecca, you know, what can I do? Fine. But I, I will always be your friend. I like you. I respect you. I'll always be your friend. Well, I'm not talking to you anymore. I can't force you, but I'll always be ready to talk to you. Ugh. 
fine. Okay, who, who's, who's winning this time? You are. Yeah. Do you think you're going to give me up as a friend this time? Probably not, because, you know, you're, you're sticking up for yourself and not letting me call all the shots. Yeah, because what's going on, you're trying to make me choose. I have to choose between you and Rebecca. But if I choose, I lose, because you're in control. It's really your choice. You're the one who doesn't want to be my friend if I'm Rebecca's friend. So I make it obvious it's your choice. You don't, uh, you know, if you don't want to be my friend because of Rebecca, it's your choice. But I'm your friend. I'll always be your friend. So then you have no power over me. And if you have no power over me, you respect me more. But I'm also letting you know I'll always be your friend. So you have no reason to leave me. So it's important to teach kids how to handle these situations. It's so easy once you know how. Yeah, I think for for most kids and a lot of adults, they just don't realize how much control they give over to other people willingly mm -hmm. for no good reason. Right. And let's say, but let's say in that role play situation, in the first situation where where Izzy, now you you chose Amy over me, and now let's say I come to school and I have no friends, how am I supposed to respond? Like as me, you know, who now in the first scenario. It came to school and my two best friends now don't talk to me because because uh, Amy decided three was too many and she just wants this girl all to her. She, she wants you all to herself. So I show up and I'm like, what's going on? How am I not going to just burst into tears by the end of the day or go to my teacher or like I feel like if I was like a nine year old girl and this is what happened, my first instinct would be to just turn on myself, assume I did something horrible and wrong, and now just cry. Or, 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 that <laughs> or they get a did stomach ache terrible, or headache. Or, yeah. You know. But the natural thing is for you to get upset. But that's because nobody taught you what to do about it. If you don't know how to handle it, you're not going to handle it the right way. So when I work in a school... I, I do assemblies with the kids and I teach them how to deal with all of the common uh, bullying situations and then, then they know how to, how to deal with it. Also, if I'm a counselor in a school, I'll tell the kids, if you're having difficulty, come and talk to me about it. I'll teach you how to deal with it. So the kids have to be taught what to do. If, they don't, if they're not taught, they're not going to know. It's such an interesting thing to me that you said that because I think most counselors do not then empower the kid to deal with it. Most counselors either then call the bully down. There becomes a big thing The usually also the parents are involved, which I think almost always escalates everything. Oh my God. When I was in, in elementary school, I was bullied. And I can tell you the last thing I ever would have done would have been to tell a teacher because then the parents would have gotten involved. And I know I would have gotten my ass beaten by the bully. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, the, I mean, count, the counselors are doing the wrong thing today because this is what they're taught to do and required to do by law. And that's why bullying is becoming a bigger problem. Now, the percentage of kids that are being bullied is probably not changing. The research shows that it stayed pretty stable over time. But what has been changing is that the number of kids who are suffering terribly and even committing suicide is escalating. 
And I think the parents fuel this because when parents are brought into it, if a counselor were to just teach the kid how to deal with it instead of handing out punishments or making new rules, the parents are going to feel dissatisfied. The parents are going to feel like the counselor didn't do anything, even if they're doing the thing that will probably help the most. Right. But it's not the the fault of the parents because everybody has been given this anti-bullying indoctrination for 20 years. This is what parents have been hearing, meaning that most parents of young children today have been taught this since they were little children, that you're entitled to go to school without anybody being mean to you. If they are mean to you, it's the school's job to make it stop, tell the school, and the school has to get the parents involved so the parents are doing what they believe to be right, but they don't see why it's wrong. Now, people love it. This is terrific. My child doesn't have to solve their social problems. The school has to solve the social problems for them. This is wonderful. Nobody wants to give this up. Even though it's nonsense and it doesn't work, nobody wants to give it up. Hmm. Wow. There is so much to think about. <laughs> it's so incredible. Um I mean, I just, it makes so much sense when I hear you say it, when I hear the role playing and it's, you know, my instinct, like my instinct when I was with my girls, when they were young and one of them in particular who got bullied was, God, I wish I could just teach her to tell him this or tell him that. And like, I guess I should have, (laughs) because my instinct was always like that. I knew why they were, why she would get bullied. It was because she was so sensitive and so quick to react, which is what they wanted Um, Because she has this like very sensitive heart and it was really hard to see. And she came out of it the other side. She kind of did learn and particularly at camp. Um, But I think that it is really hard as a parent. Your natural instinct is to want to intervene or to, I don't know, to, to kind of not to gin it up, but you really do want that other kid to sort of get it you know you just it's your instinct exactly the instinct is to protect our children to fight their battles for them now in nature it might work or even once upon a time ago when schools didn't get involved it might work because if you're my child and you're being picked on and i go to your bullies and i say you leave my daughter alone if i'm scary they'll leave my daughter alone and uh, if, your par- if your parents know that you're picking on me, they'll probably get mad at you. Yeah, what are you picking on, kids? You know, it's not surprising that their parents are getting mad at you. But today, if you're a parent and, and you go up against other kids to protect your child, you get in trouble. Yeah. I, I've read so many articles about parents who got in serious trouble because they uh, stood up to, to their child's bullies and now uh, the parents are being charged with harassment and they have to go to court. Yeah. Today you can't stand up for your child because now you get in trouble. Yeah, it's so much more complicated. I mean, look, at the end of the day, it's always better to teach your kid to empower your kid and give them these tools because they're going to encounter this in the workplace, particularly women, right? Like they're going to encounter this all the time throughout their life in some form. And so the sooner you learn that you can take control of that situation, the better you're going to be in life. I'm really glad you see that. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. This was so enlightening. This is such a great conversation. And, um, you know, I hope you continue your work and spread it far and wide. We will 
do our part. <laughs> yeah, okay. I really think that this listening. this episode is going to be life changing for for some parents and their kids. And uh, you mentioned some other articles that you had that could expand on it. If you'll send those along, we're happy to link to them. Yeah, and we'll link to your book as well. Both all your books. Okay, thank you, Rebecca. Thank you, Amy. This was a lot of fun. Thank you. Great, thanks. Uh, Bye. Okay. Uh, by the way, it's really great to do this with people who know how to act because <laughs> they really do the role, the role plays well. Okay, thank you very much. Happy thank to you. oblige. <laughs> okay. Bye. Okay, be, be well. You bye too. Bye, bye Rebecca. Bye, bye, bye Amy. Bye-bye. Bye. We will be right back with our Bites of the Week. We are back with our Bites of the Week. Amy? Yeah, so um, I am literally 15 minutes away from finishing the HBO miniseries Chernobyl. As soon as we're done recording this, I'm going to go finish. Um, it's, I think, five parts, and it's amazing. I mean, I was 14, I think, when Chernobyl happened, mm -hmm. and I didn't really understand just what a big deal it was. Um, and a few years after that, I was actually in Russia and stayed at a summer camp where some kids from Chernobyl were living year round because, you know, they had no place else to go and actually got to, to talk to some of them. But again, you know, I was a teenager. I didn't really get the weight of it. This miniseries on HBO will give you the weight of it. It's, it's fantastic. And, um, it's got a, a great cast. It's got uh, Jared Harris, you know, from The Crown. He was the mm -hmm. Queen's father, which makes him the king. Um, and uh, Stellan Skarsgård and Emily Watson. And I, I can't say enough good things about it. Now, my husband does not like it. He watched the first episode and refused to watch any more because he had actually read the book Midnight in Chernobyl. And I think that that just ruined the miniseries for him. So I'm going to read that as soon as I'm done with the miniseries. So if you don't want to fall victim to what happened to my husband, read, watch the <laughs> miniseries first and then flesh it out with the book because he says that the book is just incredible. So my bites are Chernobyl, the miniseries first on HBO, and then Midnight in Chernobyl by Adam Higginbottom. Wow. I have not watched that yet, but it's on my, my summer list. I felt like, is it gory? Is like, do you see the people all getting there, radiation burned? Because I, mean, I don't know if I can deal with that. There's <laughs> Just, a lot of bad a lot of skin stuff, you know? It's, yeah. So yeah. Like, uh, it, it does get kind of gory, but it's, it's what happened. Yeah, no, I know. No, it's, I'm definitely going to watch it. I'll and that's, and it, my eyes. it really is a small part of it. You know, I mean, there, there are hospital scenes that get bad. Um, there's some scenes, you know, right after the explosion, but most of it is just a human drama of the failures of the state and how the individual people are dealing with it. And if they're going to support the state or if they're going to tell the truth, it's, it's gripping. Wow. That's amazing. All right. Well, my bite is um, a movie that's out right now, which is Booksmart. Mm. And none of people are going to see it. And it's like got 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, which has wow. never happened ever in the history of Rotten Tomatoes. Um, it is so good. It is, if you have a teen, see it with your teen. It's not like cringy at all um, if you saw it with your teen. And, you know, like it's like sexual situations, but there's literally no like parts where you're, well, maybe your teen would still be a little embarrassed, but probably not. No, I get more <laughs> embarrassed than my teens. Yeah. 
Um, it is so good. The writing is phenomenal. The acting is amazing. Um, the direction's great. It's just, it is your typical high school movie kind of turned on its head because um, it's not divided into, you know, jocks versus nerds and this versus, it's like John Hughes 2.0. It's like what hmm. the evolution should be. Um, and it's just phenomenal and you got to go see it. It's so good. It's so worth seeing and you should hundred percent take your teen or make your teen go see it with a group of friends. Oh, maybe I'll try to try to drag Fiona with, she hasn't seen a movie with me in a long oh time. My God. Uh, I go. think since we watched, um, what was that other really good one with, um, the mom from Ro the sister from Roseanne. I'm totally blanking, but you know what movie I'm talking about. Um, sister from Rose. The Sister oh, with Laurie Metcalf. Yes, Lady yes, Bird? yes. Yes, Lady Bird. That's yes. the last movie that I watched with my daughter. Um, and we both loved that. So maybe I can I can drag her to this before she leaves for summer camp. Oh, yeah. She'll love it. Um, Jake would love it. Like, it's just really good um, and really well done. It's just, it's great. And it's such a, like, from a girl's perspective, because there's, you know, there's just, it's just and From, like, great. a really smart girl's perspective, right? Smart girl's perspective. Um, but really, like, just, it's really wonderful because there are no stereotypes that, that um, you know, happen in this movie there's no everything is unexpected but even to the characters you know they're thrown a loop like everything they thought about people's kind of wrong or even themselves it's really good oh, i need to see it so see it um so that's my bite this week so well, we're like mini bites because we're short of andrea <laughs> but i guess our other bite is probably izzy kalman's book which oh, definitely i feel like i want to give i feel like there are books i want to give people different stages when we had um darcy lockman on last was it last week or two weeks ago it's like that's the book i want to buy everyone when they get pregnant right <laughs> this is like the book i want to give everyone when their kid starts preschool well you know it's <laughs> it's funny because um we had somebody on the podcast years ago who had just come out with a book um it was uh, i'm trying to remember what book it was but it was it was like a book of of parenting hacks and it was just fantastic and I would, I bought it and I just kind of had it out in my living room. And every time a friend came over who had small children and started looking through it, I would just give it to them and order another one. And it happened like six times. So maybe I can do that with these books. Like you just, you just kind of keep them out. And then when your friends start thumbing through them going, oh, I need this. You say, take it. And then you buy yeah, another take one. It. Do it. Yeah. yeah, it's Asha Dornfest book. Yes, right? Parenting yes. Hacks. Thank you. The yeah, Parenting yeah. Hacks books. That one, like I ended up buying more than half dozen because everybody would just start looking through it and go, oh my God, this is amazing. I have to get it. And I'd be like, no, take it. All right. <laughs> my gift to you yep. for sanity. Yep. Um, all right. Well, that's our show for today. You can find out everything we talked about on parentingbites.com and on facebook.com slash parentingbites, where we also post, you know, Wherever you subscribe to us, listen to us, rate, review, share. We love it. There's so many different ways to listen to the podcast now. And please let us know on Facebook if there are issues you want us to tackle. If your kid was bullied, how you handled it or mishandled it, <laughs> you know, let us know. And until next week, happy parenting. Bye. Hey, this is our Parenting Bites disclosure. Everything we talk about on the show is our own opinion. Any products we recommend, it's our own personal recommendation for entertainment purposes only. 
If you buy something through our affiliate links or you just happen to buy or see or read or watch something that we've recommended, it's at your own risk.